friends, I invite you to be seated. Would you join me in reading today from our opening litany? It's from Psalm 115. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. Because of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nation say, where then is their God? Our God is in heaven. Whatever God wills, God does. The Lord has been mindful of us and will bless us. The Lord will bless the house of Israel. Those who fear the Lord will be blessed, both small and great together. May the Lord increase you more and more, you and your children after you. May you be blessed by the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We will bless the Lord from this time on and forevermore. Praise the Lord. A reading from Nehemiah, chapter 6, verses 15 and 16, and chapter 7, verses 1 through 3. So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month Elul and 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Now, when the wall had been built and I had set up the doors and the gatekeepers, the singers, and the Levites had been appointed, I gave my brother Hanani charge over Jerusalem, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel. For he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. And I said to them, the gates of Jerusalem are not to be opened until the sun is hot. While the gatekeepers are still standing guard, let them shut and bar the doors. Appoint guards from among the inhabitants of Jerusalem, some at their watch posts and others before their own houses. The word of the Lord. You can find this next hymn in your bulletin, but if you'd like to follow along with the music, open the red hymnal to hymn page 301. Let us build a house.
of the living God fall afresh on us. Speak now, O God, for we, your servants, are listening. In these passages of scripture, we meet Nehemiah, the cupbearer, to the king of Persia during the post-Babylonian exilic period. Nehemiah was faced with an opportunity to use all of his gifts, his talents, his resources, and his connections to help rebuild the spirit of the people of Jerusalem as well as the safety of the city, a city that was in dire need of reconstruction. Nehemiah seen, uh, sensed a call from God on his life when he heard from his brother and his companions about the plight of Jerusalem. He felt drawn to return to Jerusalem, the place of his birth and his people. And not just for a long overdue visit, but with a mission to help restore and strengthen the place he loved so much. The place where the scripture says his ancestors were buried. Nehemiah knew that he was called to perform a service that was desperately needed by a people who had been in exile and who had a promise from God to be returned to their homes and protected from danger. And Nehemiah knew that God was on his side as he prayed regularly and petitioned God for everything he needed to fulfill God's call. Most, if not all of us, as committed church leaders have or will have a Nehemiah experience. Your call may be clear and sure, and it may seem very practical and straightforward when you first receive it, especially when it is a call to minister with our youth. Love and care for young people. Teach the Bible simple and free. Use creative ways to illustrate how to live a Christian life, how to walk this Christian journey God's way, and how to get excited about serving God early so that your lives are anchored in the only thing that truly matters. Or you might have benefited from some progressive thinking and went into your position with intergenerational planning teams to mind too or collaboration and innovation as the core of your ministry, Reverend Abigail. And it may have seemed somewhat easy to embrace this assignment and do it with enthusiasm and grace because it all seemed so good, so practical and straightforward. But then as we embark upon the actual work of the ministry, we begin to realize the true complexity that comes with any great work that we do for God. Like Nehemiah, opposition comes from without. And you find yourself having to arm the workers as well as continue to help guide the work. Opposition comes from within, and now the workers need to be encouraged to stay the course and finish the work. Sidebars rise up, and our focus gets divided between the work and the many distractions that seek to rule the day. Physical and mental fatigue might begin to set in. Feelings of inadequacy and frustration might haunt us. Feelings of doubt about the effectiveness of our ministry might creep in. And then all of a sudden, what seemed manageable, practical, straightforward, and even exciting has taken on a whole new flavor and texture. 
But like Nehemiah, we are still called to fulfill God's mission in the midst of it all. As we all know, the past two years have been closely akin to a nightmare for some, particularly leaders in God's church. But more than that, it, was it has directly affected in significant ways those we are called to serve. Our youth, I believe, are oftentimes the true barometer of the impact of our ministries. And as you know, even pre-pandemic, they have long sought a point of entry into an authentically spiritual relationship with God, in spite of what they have or have not received from their church. And many of our youth have fought for an opportunity to express themselves in what should be viewed, but often, too often is not, new and innovative ways. The pandemic forced us all to re-examine ourselves and our calls and to reimagine a world that demands a different response and a different method of truly experiencing God and communicating anew the old, old story. And as a result, we can learn that our deconstructing, our co-constructing, and our reconstruction can acknowledge and incorporate the wisdom of our collective tradition, render what is obsolete as dead, permanently correct the inequities of the past, and directly address the realities our youth face today. Our new thing, must tear down the assumptions, limitations, and biases that have sometimes innocently, but oftentimes intentionally, been embedded in many of our church youth programs. Oh, we don't want to rebuild the same thing we built before. And God knows we can't do what we've always done. We need to create an atmosphere so that God can do God's transforming work in, with, and through our young people. In Nehemiah chapter 6, we see the fruit of their labor, the fruit of a unified team working together, yes, Brother Lamar, in community, and joining together in faith in spite of the opposition they faced. And when everyone devoted themselves to the common good, they built the wall in 52 days. And even their enemies had to acknowledge that it had to have been done with the help of the Lord. And so it is with our youth. We as co-constructors would do well if to do like Nehemiah and demonstrate and teach our youth the tools of sensitivity, compassion, resilience, flexibility, adaptability, open hearts and minds, and we must be, we the leaders must be agile enough to listen and hear the cries of our young people and to respond to their cries in real time, responding to their most exigent needs, while like Nehemiah, only taking our attention away to address the distractions that come that can affect how their story ends. Now to be sure, the successful completion of the rebuilding of the wall in chapter 6 could have been the crescendo to an awesome and action-packed triumphal story. 
It also could have allowed me to keep my sermon within 10 minutes that I was given. But, sorry, Megan. But we learn in chapter 7 that an important part of the reconstruction process is to include ongoing safeguards for the protection of the work God has blessed us to accomplish. Nehemiah, early in chapter 7, had an eye on what could come. And his best instinct was to continue to protect the people and the city of Jerusalem even after the fortified walls, walls and gates surrounding the city had been completed. He continued to post guards and assign people to keep watch over the people because Nehemiah knew and we should know that the enemy only departs until a more opportune time. This past week, I was blessed to spend some special time with one of our former youth from a church I pastored in Nova Scotia. Her name is Andrea, and she came to Tampa to celebrate her 25th birthday with our family as she is now family. I met Andrea at the age of 13 and had the privilege of baptizing her and serving as her pastor since then. Andrea loves God, and she was one of the few youth at 13 who regular, regularly attended our, we used to call it old folks Bible study, our traditional adult Bible study on Wednesday night, but she also went to all of the youth studies on Tuesday night. She was affectionately referred to as that old woman who came in here and, and dropped wisdom on those of us who had been around even longer than her. Andrea, though, has experienced a lot of tragedy in her life since the age of 13. Lost both her mother and her father in very close proximity in time. And then just this past year, she lost her oldest brother, who she relied on greatly. As I was thinking about this message today, I asked her what she felt the church needed to do in order to reach her in light of all she's experienced. And without any hesitation, she passionately said, and I wrote it down so I could get it right, the church needs to listen to young people and to hear what young people truly have to say, what their true needs are. And then she said that once the young people open up, the church needs to not try to be so quick to try to fix things because everybody isn't ready to change things when the church may want us to. That's what she said. And lastly, she said, she used the P word, I say, she said, the church needs to have patience. I'll tell, she really said, patience, man, they need to have patience, man. To walk with young people through their ups and downs, trusting that God is working in them. Oh, as I listened to Andrea that day, suddenly my assignment and our assignment got very practical and straightforward again. It was clear to me that in this reconstruction process, we must not, we cannot be in a hurry. We need to, quoting once again, Rabbi Babchuk, uh, Abigail, both of our favorite, um, of the, uh, the Glean Network, we must move slow and fix something in a new way. Deconstruct co-construct and reconstruct something together with our youth this time instead of rushing to throw resources and answers and solutions at our youth so they can get things right quick. Brothers and sisters, let's take 
our time this time. This is a word from the Lord. Thanks be to God. want to cry. <laughs> Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, you have been with us. You have been with us on this unusual and unexpected journey of the past few years. You have been with us when we have been scared when we have been lonely, when we have been overwhelmed. You have been with us when we have been alone and when we have been together, when we have been healthy and when we have been sick, when we have felt numb and when we have felt everything. And by your mercy, you are still with us. In Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, you will always be with us. And what's more, through you, we can be with and for each other. We have heard your word proclaimed this morning. We have heard it declared over and over again in these last few days, in the teaching, in the laughter, in the tears, in the prayers, in the trees, as Nate reminded us in the face and lived realities of every single one of us, as Georgette reminded us, and in the spaces that we construct and that construct us, as Man Mandy and Wendy reminded us just this morning. As we prepare to return to our various contexts after this sacred time together, we know that you go with us and go before us. You are the architect and we offer ourselves to you as your builders, as your tools, as your raw materials. You are the constructor of your people and your church eternal. So we join the great cloud of witnesses who in your church who have prayed and together throughout the centuries saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen.
online. We're going to offer a benediction and then you are dismissed. We are grateful that you have been with us and we're gonna be in touch with some follow-ups. And for those of you that are here with us now, after we benedict, we have some announcements following another reprise of the song. Um, so please uh, remain here following that. But now, please receive this benediction from one of my favorite people on planet Earth, Reverend Abigail Visco Russer and me. As you leave this place, friends, remember, in the deconstructed places of your ministry, there is no rubble or failure where God is not. And as you find yourself co-constructing in your ministry, remember that there is no building without belonging. And as you reconstruct in spaces that are old or new, cultivate your patience and prophetic listening skills. The builders are not only close at hand, they are you, they are me, they are us. Let's build ministry in the name of the creator, redeemer, and sustainer 